Hey everyone, and welcome to Already Cancelled. I'm Peter, that is Connor, and we are going to talk about Star Trek, the original series, season 3, episode 7. It's called Day of the Dove. So, full spoilers for the episode, as always. Uh, this episode, the the crew, or the Enterprise, is mysteriously summoned with a, a distress call from this planet. But when they get there, it does seem like a colony's been destroyed, but there's not really any evidence of anything that's actually happened there. There's, there's no evidence that there was even a colony there in the first place. Yeah, that, that, they think there's a colony. That, that's what the distress call had in it. But they're, they're there and like, oh, what's going on? There's nothing here. And then Klingons show up. And it seems Klingons also got a call out for this place. And then seemingly their ship gets destroyed. And they think the Enterprise did it. They think the Enterprise has destroyed the ship. And but Good, Kirk's like, you know, reasonable assumption. And like, well, we didn't do anything. What's going on? Uh, so the the Klingons sort of fight back. Kirk kind of tricks them the way back up with the teleporter, a little bit a uh, little bit of trickery. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I won't do any funny business once we get to the ship. That was his loophole. It was. So he kept yeah. his word because he, the funny business was before they got to the ship. It was in transit. Uh, but then we have a group of Klingons on the ship. Uh, a few more survivors from the for their ship as well, and we have Klingons on the ship. But over the course of the episode, seemingly. Tensions keep rising, and some sort of alien entity, this orb of light that's kind of floating around, that we've been seeing here or there, is going around the ship. And it seems to be making everyone more angry and tense and basically racist. Uh, <laughs> some characters start feeling very racist toward Klingons, Klingons back the way, and then as it really gets to boil, even like some Spock stuff with Vulcan starts going back and forth. Uh, and it seems like this entity, for whatever reason, wants them to be at war. It makes a point of making sure that X number of the, the Enterprise crew are actually locked up, uh, you know, they're trapped yeah. in the lower decks. I think we only have around uh, 38 Klingons, so we only get about 38 of our crew available. Yeah. So they tell us, which is actually way more than we've ever seen of the crew, but that's, that's neither here nor there. Uh, hey, but out, out of, like, what was it, 400 or something like that? Yeah, that's, that's what the, the saying's on the ship, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that is uh, that is the premise of the episode, uh, and of course they're trying to figure out why it's going on, and will Kirk be able to keep his wits about him and not start going angry and mad like everyone else? So uh, we shall find out. So what did you think of Day of the Dove? I actually don't think it's that bad. I no, think there's some stuff bad. I like in this one. Uh, well, I mean, looking over at the IMDb rating, it's got an eight point oh, so this is clearly one that people yeah. consider to be a better episode of uh of season three uh no no it's uh what because when the Klingon showed up i was like okay we're doing a Klingon episode i see what they do with this um and it became okay so it's okay so they want the ship and i thought that was going to be more of the most of the episode but of course we keep seeing this light entity and it's once we get back to the ship it's clear okay no, there's something more to this because i think it's uh mccoy they're in the 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 lift at one point the, the turbo lift and he's yeah. like he gets really angry at the end of the course. He's like, oh, no, the Klingons, we don't need any evidence. And he just walks out. And I'm like, that was really racist. That's it really was. A, a and, and, then, and then you have some really strange things like Chekhov, where down on the planet, he starts going on about the Klingons that killed his brother. And I was like, all right, well, we've never heard about any brother before, but, you know, Star Trek's pulled this before. Oh, yeah, because my, my reaction to that was, oh, I didn't know he had a brother. That's interesting. Um, and then, of course, later on, the little twist is, is that... Uh, Sulu, who maybe knows him better because they're always on the bridge together, <laughs> he's like, yeah. wait, Captain, he doesn't have a brother, he's an only child. Yeah, he doesn't have yeah. a brother. And even Ahura's like, yeah, why, why does he think he's got a brother? 
Because uh, the, the whole point being that he's got this personal vendetta, because the, the backstory that he's got in his head is that his brother was on a, another outpost that was destroyed by the Klingons. Yeah. So he's out for blood, he's out for revenge. Uh, which is funny, because again, we started the episode with, uh, it was Kirk, Spock and McCoy and Chekhov on the planet. It feels like Chekhov is almost becoming the fourth main dude. Yeah, he's, he's the new number four, isn't he? Yeah. Um, well, Hammer Scott, it depends. It depends what's happening. Because Scotty's kind of the number four, but certainly in the last couple of episodes, he's been kind of going on the missions with him. I feel like Scotty has a lot more place on the ship, though. He does, he does, so, yeah. So they typically take Chekhov down more often now, I find. But uh, he, uh, yeah, he's acting all funny like that. If I speak of Scotty, actually, um, his hair was completely different in this episode. And it made me think back to the previous view, and I'm like, I was actually, now I'm thinking about it, I think he was wearing a wig in the first, like, you know, five or six episodes. Maybe because his hair was really like I noticed that when we started season three, he had a, but I just assumed oh well it's another season, different haircut I guess. Yeah. But it, it looked really kind of tall and just and I, I didn't really think about it. it was whatever I don't really care. But it was just in this episode he has really short hair and I'm like, was he wearing a wig the last like few? No, I know he can get it cut, but the reason why I think he was wearing a wig is because it was a completely different like because uh, it was like jet black before and now it's like you know it's graying because he's you know middle aged. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean there's there's hair dye as well, you know, just the washout stuff. I mean, it's possible. I don't know. It's just, it, I mean, it could be that you know the the the, the size and the the, the very strong colour versus what he had in this episode just made me think. Uh, uh, he's he's probably wearing a wig for whatever reason. Uh, no, I agree. It's either a wig or dye and then a cut. Yeah. It, it could go either way. I don't know. It's, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, I noticed. That. I was like, man, he feels really different again. Um, yeah. But hey, so that is uh that that is not important, <laughs> but it's something I noticed. So I brought it up. Uh, so we actually I mean there's a decent enough set for the planet at the start of the episode and then it's all in the ship after that which I'm not complaining about but that's just kind of uh, how it worked out uh, yeah it doesn't feel like it's cheap being on the ship though no 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 because it's, it's very much the oh we've got Klingons on the ship which we've never really had before I don't think it's always been down the planet or a station or neutral neutral ground yeah, or, yeah. Uh, whereas here it's none of the here and obviously the other thing that happens is that halfway through the episode uh all of a sudden, these swords start appearing uh, out of nowhere, uh, and then even the phasers that the the Enterprise crew are holding turn into swords, and it's clear that this entity wants some classic, you know, Dueling. combat. Yeah, dueling. Yeah. Not no no phasers, no no high tech weaponry. Just and uh, they pointed out that the Klingons have maintained a dueling culture, so mm. you know, sword fights are still part of their 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 culture now. And outside of Sulu, the Enterprise crew are screwed. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Sulu, uh, yeah, we've seen him with a sword. He, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, basically, like humans and maybe the whole Federation, all, all those planets, they, they may have it as a hobby, but like, it's not something that's been kept in their training or anything. Yeah, not anymore. It hasn't been yeah. for hundreds of years. Yeah. Uh, why need it? Well, because there might be a magical alien entity one day that forces you into a sword fight. That's why you might need it. No, I mean, I, I, I guess the the general benefit is, you know, it's it's something a bit of a different skill set, right? Yeah. What? Yes. Um, that said, I think there's some things you can safely. Not... I, I remember this didn't happen to me, but I remember back when I was just looking at various, uh, you know, unis and colleges to go to. Uh, there was a couple doing like, you know, production and that kind of thing. And when they were teaching editing, they insisted upon teaching you to do it the old-fashioned way with, like, tape decks first. And I'm like, why? There's no need to go back to that ever. It is just... There's there's no positive to it. And it was no, all just no. about training the respect of understanding how hard it used to be and how tedious it was. 
Yeah, when I was at college, we had a module just on the principles of it, just so you you understood it. Um, but we never actually had to do it. I know when I was in uni, there was an optional like a, a six week course that you could take oh, to God, do it no. if you wanted to. Just because you know, just as like an extra thing. But... I feel like the principles of editing are actually easier to understand when you can just move things around. I agree. Yeah. You know, non-linear editing is just... But anyway, that, the point I'm making is, is that sometimes there's things that you just shouldn't go back to. It's fine. We can move on with the, the world. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's worth learning for the history, but it's not worth actually doing. Yeah. Because uh, that, that was just tedious for the sake of tedious, I thought. But uh, regardless. Uh, although I understand why someone would want to learn sword fighting. You know, because it's, it's a uh, skill. It's, it's completely different to using yeah. a gun. Uh, exactly. Uh, it's, a, it's a different skill. It's a... Uh, you know, but but exercise, I suppose, is I guess one of the reasons why people go fencing and yeah, learn all that yeah. jazz. Uh, oh, they're just really into sword and sandals movies and want to hold a sword. I'm sure many of them are. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's kind of the, the the gist of the episode, and then uh, as we said, like, they start getting angry, and like there's points where like Kirk and Spock, uh, like Stephen, they start to clash, and they're on the bridge, and. Uh, it's actually Scotty. I actually thought Scotty dropped an F-bomb at one point because uh, was it his hands? He says, get those Vulcan hands away from me, but he said it so quickly that I was like, did he just say get those effing hands away from me? <laughs> That's what it sounded like to me. But, uh, and it was getting, them are proper going at each other, aren't they? Yeah. It was funny because I feel like they, they mentioned racism a couple of times, but they did it every time without saying the word racist. And I was just wondering, was that word not maybe in as much circulation in the 60s, yeah, perhaps? Okay. Because they said, or I think Spock at one point said, uh, racial issues or something like that. They, they, they sort of danced around the exact term of just saying we're acting racist. Mm. No, no, that's a good point. I, I never, I never noticed, but now that I think about yeah, it, it may be nothing. It may just be how they chose to phrase it in the script. But could be. It, I, it I could wondering. be a, a sense of generally speaking, you know, racism isn't such a big deal in the future. Because obviously, you know, the, for the Federation at least, there's all these things, they, they all work together anyway, right? So maybe it's not... Oh, the... yeah, so the idea is that in, in Star Trek's future is all is a thing of the past, so... Right. Uh, they're, they're speaking about it as if it's this alien concept that they, they haven't had to deal with in a long time. Exactly, which is why they ha- they kind of phrase it which weird. Which is perhaps. extremely optimistic, and I applaud, I applaud the thought, but... <laughs> <laughs> it is, it, it is. Feel, it feels is. naive at the, this, this juncture in time. Um, but... So no, so so the sort of that, but Kirk's like, no, we have to play it cool, we have to play it cool. And a big part of the episode, of course, is we have. Is this our first lady Klingon? I think so. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, Kang, who's the sort of the lead Klingon, who's like constantly trying to pick a fight with Kirk, uh, his wife and science officer, uh, which I actually kind of chuckled a little bit where he said, "Oh, this is this is my wife, also my science officer," because I immediately went, "Oh, that's like that's like Kirk and Spock." Yeah, it's just Spock. <laughs> oh, I did the same. Spock. That's his version of Spock's married to him. That's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. Uh, so a part of the episode is um, like sort of convincing her that hey, there's something else at play here. This isn't just us trying to fight each other, uh, and she ends up being sort of instrumental and in kind of trying to convince Kang and the other Klingons at the end. Hey, there's something going on. This isn't just like you know blood for blood. There's something happening that's affecting us here. Um, and I'll be honest, I I was shocked how dark one of the scenes with her got with Chekhov. Like I yeah, I I was um, not full on sexual this. assault there. Yeah, I mean, obviously they stop before it goes, you know, any further than just the, the the opening step of it. But I was shocked they even implied that someone was about to be raped on Star Trek. Yeah, that threw me. I was yeah. like, "Whoa!" Okay. Star Trek Discovery, sure. I'm, I, I mean, I, I, I expect, uh, like, you know, 
Yeah, yeah, I know, I know what you get at. A serial paedophile in that show, it wouldn't feel out like a place on Discovery. But like Chekhov, while he's under control of this this entity making him angry, he's like, "Oh, yeah, you're very beautiful." And and it's funny because one of the things we like about Chekhov is how much of a horn dog he is. But that's kind of sullied it because it was like taking it and twisting it, and he's like, "Oh, you're very beautiful." I know. And he it rips was just part last of her. Episode we were joking about it as well. I know, but he rips part of her, or like her, it wasn't a dress, but like her, her top. Yeah. Uh, and she, he rips part of that and goes in for a kiss and then Kirk and that luckily show up but I was like man this feels really dark like like I, I was not calling Chekhov trying to rape a Klingon uh, as, as something that was going to happen at any point in this show so that that, that was genuinely kind of shocking uh, I agree that, that threw me it had it had weight as a moment though it didn't play it lightly it knew it was a big moment oh absolutely yeah it wasn't playing it as some, some frivolous little thing uh, even even the, the even though Kirk is also affected and Spock has to hold him back, you, you still kind of feel the weight because Kirk Kirk punches him in the face like three times uh, yeah. when he catches him doing this, and supposed like, hey, like it's not him, like he's no, he's, he's not under control. Something's affecting yeah. him here. And he's like, yeah, me too, because that was a bit excessive. But um, so yeah, one punch would have been fine. So so they're, they're clearly showing that pe- people are like, are being affected daily yeah. by this. Um, you know, because at one point, and this is the other thing they bring up as well as part of the episode is that this thing, this thing does not want it to end, so it doesn't let them die. Like if it gets them to a kill state, it kind of like intervenes and stops it from happening. Because at one point, the Klingons get control of the engineering deck and they they shut off all the life support outside of the engineering deck. So we see on the bridge. I actually thought the lighting was really cool. It was actually really nice to see the bridge be all dark for a change. It was, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, and they were just just them were just them lit, and everything else was kind of moody, um, but. And it's like, okay, so life support's going out, we need to try and fix this. But then eventually it just kind of came back on. It was like, no, no, the entity's right. like, no, they were going to die. So the entity's like, no, no, I want this war to keep going. And, so, And all the people in sick bear healing quicker than they should be. Yeah, yeah. Um, They're all just kind of getting better so they can get back in the fight as quick as possible. Yeah, so McCoy's obviously noticing that and uh, whatnot. So obviously a big thing here is they mention that, you know, it's been three years, you know, and there's been no dispute, no conflict between Klingons and, and the Federation. And at the end of the episode, it's kind of like, okay, this is another reaffirmation of them like, kind of coming together by the end. And, like, you know, because ultimately, eventually, like, uh, like Kang comes to see Reason because he sees the, the light orb and he sees what's happening to them. And Kirk calls over the comm and says, hey, everyone, cease fire. Because as, as, as they're fighting in the, the engineering deck, we see a bunch of red shirts and Klingons just, like, going down the hallways of the Enterprise, yeah. like, sword fighting. That looks all right. Yeah, well, it looks alright except the swords. I actually hate how cheap and like fake the swords look. It really, that's that's true. Yeah, it really bothers me that they think this looks okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I, especially since it's not even like movies at the time were using swords this fake. Like they still had metal swords. They, 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 sure, they made sure they were blunt, so that just in case anyone slipped and you know. But swords were all over the place at the time. Yeah. So, but it's just, it looks cheap and fake, the, the, the swords. It, like, does. it, it doesn't look like metal. That, that's just, that's the main problem. It's they, not, they look too light, yeah. Yeah, they look light, they look like the plastic or something. It just, it, ugh. But, yeah, other than that. Uh, but then, of course, there's a moment where Kang comes over and then sort of confirms the order over the comms so all the Klingons also know, right, ceasefire. Yeah. Um, and, honestly, my only critique of the ending is, and this has happened a few times recently, I feel like it just, like, goes out really quickly. Like, they give the order, he sees fire, they're kind of in the room, and then it just cuts to the exterior of the ship, and the, the, you know, the executive producer credit comes up. Yeah, yeah, they kind of give a little speech about how you're working together is the way forward. 
Yeah, and of course, that's very Star Trek forward-thinking yeah. messaging, rest of it. But I just, I, I felt like, oh, I need a scene after this where, uh, like, you know, you know, my, my, my decompression scene at the end where Kirk, Spock, and McCoy are kind of a talking about it. A little bit of banter. Maybe have McCoy say, oh, I was acting really weird, and just have him acknowledge that he was acting out a character. Not that I, not that I, I knew he was acting out, I knew there was a reason for it, but it would have been nice to see him sort of look at it and go, yeah, I was acting like a That was weird, job. yeah. Yeah. Um, because even Spock at one point, of course, says, "Oh, you filthy humans! I have to work with you. I hate it." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I don't think it was Scott. Like, well, why don't you transfer to a different ship then? Yeah, uh, dude, that, that, that was that was that was pretty funny. I'm gonna lie. It was. I have a question. So they, they mentioned how it was three years since the end of the war, right? With the, with the Vulcans, not the Vulcans, the, the Klingons. Uh, I don't know if it was three years since the end of the war or just three years with no incidents. Okay. Because it sounded more like the incident. It sounds like they mean it's been three years since that season one episode where they they kind of made peace at the end. You know, remember when the the, the we had that third that. party who wanted them to like sort of see reason and not and stop yeah, fighting. Yeah, but wouldn't it have only been two years since that in the show's timeline. Why do you assume the show's going at real time? Because it's a year year per season. Because it's the five year mission, right? So it's three, three each. Each season is a year of the mission. Is that a definitive fact? I, I, I believe so. I thought that I thought that was what. It, uh, that's what I've always been told. I, I just never thought it was as strict as that. I just. Oh, fair enough. I, I was always told it was that, and the, then the, the, the continuity is not. Um, it's not dead on, no. So I, I just never took it as serious as that. Um, and I'm just going with what happened in that episode, which felt at the start of some sort of peace, and them saying it's been three years since an incident, I just kind of took that as the... Okay. I mean, on. I don't know if them getting into a fight with Klingons uh, during the Tribble episode counts as an incident. I mean, maybe it should. <laughs> it was a very... Um, as far as incidents go, it was, you know, not not the worst. It was a bit, a bit fluffy, wasn't it? it... <laughs> really? Yeah, I know. Fluffy. That was awful. Um... It, yeah, I mean, I, I guess what they mean is there's been no big, you know, incident where, like, you know, our, our governments are actually like, making calls on things. It's, you know, if, if you know, Tribbles maybe doesn't count because it was just a fight and they solved it themselves without it going up higher up the food chain. Yeah, which, which is why I was thinking maybe it was the end of the war because that would have been, okay, no, no, here's the official truce from there, unless there were points but, after that. But Star Trek Discovery told me the war ended nine years before the start of the show. Did it? It did, yeah. I mean, did it though? Did did the war end yet in Discovery? They pretty much did. I mean, they they could come back next season and tell me that they're still like not quite ended the war, but it felt if they do that, it's going to feel annoying. It's like no, we're it, done, well, but, we're done know, with this. I, I appreciate that, but I, I feel like it was a quite a quick war considering. So that you know, I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I, I like continuity. I like being able to place things in a timeline. What can I say? Um, well, do you actually think the war's going to go on for another like, well, seven years? It'd be like nine years, eight years, maybe. Because eight, it, yeah. it'd have to end a year before the start of the show. A year that's... before the start of the show. But, I mean, we, we went through like a whole year of a season one of, of Discovery, right? Yeah, so, that's, that, that's, so it ends about so, nine years before. Yeah, yeah. So... Is it, did it start 10 years before? Yeah. Okay, I thought it was slightly less than that. No, nah, 10. Uh, yeah. So no, I, I didn't take what he said as it's been three years since the war ended. That's not how I took that. Okay. 
Fair enough. I took it. It's been three years of just no incidents. Peace. Well, that makes sense. How I don't know because every time they run into each other, the Klingons are just gunning for blood. It was very aggressive, time. aren't they? Yeah, and they, they, they need to calm down. Uh, <laughs> got some temper problems. <laughs> oh dear. That was that was. I I, felt, I was only fault the episode actually. It's probably that you can't tell they're even affecting. It's even affecting the Klingons because they always act this way. <laughs> to be fair, though, they kind of addressed that at the end when Kang's giving his speech at the end to the to the the entity. He goes, "Hey, we don't need any help to hate humans." Ah, oh, no, that's true. That's true. I, I think maybe if it, if they did something more extreme than normal, just to show yeah. that oh no, it's affecting them too. Like I, they I are. We we know it's affecting them because you know they're they're worried about the Federation torturing them and stuff. So it's put these ideas in their head, right? Uh, you know what? I never even considered that. Mainly because it it just sounded plausible that that was their propaganda. When you know when when uh, Lady Klingon was saying, "Oh, I've heard what you do with your torture camps," I'm like, that just sounds like something Klingons would probably spread. It does. It does. I I just assumed with them both saying it in the same episode because you know our, our crew say the same to the, to the Klingons, right? Yeah, you know, like that. That's what they expect from them and. I, I guess we do expect it more from Klingons. We, we do expect it, it from them, though. That, but, that's that's why I never took that as a as the entity planting something. I guess my other complaint would be that there's never anything like they they just sort of like stop fighting, insist that oh yeah, you're not going to get any, you're not going to feed off our hate anymore. It just kind of leaves. We and I don't need an explanation for what it is, but there was never any like oh it just leaves. <laughs> it's gone. Yeah, no, that's true. It's, it's off to find a meal somewhere else. There wasn't even like uh, they didn't even name it. <laughs> it's just, just the entity. They, they didn't. It's just the the the, the hate entity. Yeah, um, just leaves. They don't. They don't. They don't like try and stop it or think. Maybe we should stop. St- try and stop this thing before it causes an actual full blown war somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these two ships got lucky because we had some rationalish captains. Yeah. But what what if they get into a uh, you know worse situations some other captains that are a bit you know less i suppose arguably it stops them from killing each other so maybe even a full-blown war with this thing wouldn't even be the worst thing ever it'd be bad but it wouldn't be the worst it would and and kirk kind of makes the point of it, it it kind of feels like it would just keep them in here for eternity like it's not gonna let them die you know he says oh how many who knows how many lifetimes we'll be fighting hmm. so i think the, the the impression is that they're literally just going to be on that ship fighting for you know, years and years and years. There's not going to be outside communications to. Well, let that, I mean, that, that's well, obviously that's part of the plot is that they can't communicate with anyone. But I think that's the obvious metaphor for the for what this message is is that the fighting will never end until you say no, enough's enough. Let's stop fighting. Yeah. It's really quite simple. Stop, stop, is, yeah. stop being at war, and you know, uh, make peace. Um, this just takes it and turns it into a literal. No, you're never, you're literally never going to stop fighting unless you just decide to stop. Uh, so. Yeah, so nice little message. Um, I don't think it's the best Star Trek episode ever, but I thought it was, you know, solid enough. Some fun moments. Uh, one some one of the best ones this season for sure. A couple of shocking moments. Well, I mean, it's episode seven. We've had one good one, really good one so far. Yeah, so this is probably number two. Yeah, it's probably number two, but that feels like a worthless statement at this point. I, I don't know. Two out of seven. <laughs> that's that's uh, reasonable. One of the best of this season, seven episodes in, is just kind of a weird thing to say. Opinions, whatever. <laughs> oh dear. Um. Anyway, so that's uh, that's uh, day of the dove. Yes, yes, it so. is. 
Let us know what you think of this episode in the comments below. Like, subscribe, all that stuff. Get us on the Twitters at mail underscore fudge for channel updates. If you want to support the channel, head over to patreon.com slash mailfuzztv. You can get a link to that in the description, but otherwise that is us. So thank you once again for watching. Keep watching TV, guys. We'll see you next time.